It's podcast number 22 at duetcalories.com, and here's what's coming up. Dig around a little bit, but if she doesn't come up, don't theorize. Oh, well, then it must be mercury. Oh, well, you still have amalgams in your teeth. It's got to be that. Well, not really. It could be a gazillion thing. And then you listen more. And I have, I have joint pain, all of those things you want to actually jot down. But at the top of the page, you're jotting down the ideas of the medicines that come to mind. And the message is that homeopathy transcends the other methods of medicine. The goal of today's podcast is to walk you through the case-taking process for a chronic condition. At the time of this recording, Joa is in the middle of teaching the allergic course, and this podcast is turning out to be a homework assignment for the students taking that class. But this podcast really also benefits all of Joette's listeners. So the steps we'll explore begin with listening to the case and taking notes on the person's ailments. She emphasizes that it's important to even write some of the exact verbiage that the person uses to describe their ailments. Joette recommends that we write down to what degree the person is suffering, so you know, like on a scale of 1 to 10. Then, as you're listening to the person express themselves, you may think of protocols that might fit their conditions. And so while you're hearing them and while you're taking notes on the case, in the corner of the page, you're supposed to be writing down what protocols might apply to them. And so this is kind of the brainstorming process. Then after you've completed taking the case, you take some time to look at those potential protocols and edit them down to the most important ones that you want to prioritize. Then finally, once you've set around four protocols for that person, you need to commit to them for six to eight weeks. So that's the Reader's Digest version of what we're going to discuss in today's podcast. And Joette's going to really take some time to tease apart each of those steps so that we can understand them more deeply. All right, here we go. Hi, Powell. I'm doing well. Um, for those of us who signed up for your allergic course, we're well into it. I think past the halfway point. Yep. It's been a fascinating course. I have pages and pages of notes. Oh, good girl, Paula. Yes, I love it. <laughs> but um, you've been giving us some homework um, for that course. The last podcast is homework, and this podcast tonight is some homework for those students. But you were saying that this would, would apply to just anyone and the allergic students as well. Yes, this is, the, this is the fundamental information that's so useful when dealing with a chronic case. And we're gonna to touch a little bit on acutes too, but particularly chronic. So yes, yeah, this is for anyone who wants to go that far in homeopathy and dealing with chronic conditions. Yeah, I, and, and for those of you who have already taken her courses, I think it's a really important reminder. If you've taken good gut, bad gut, or whatever. So what we're gonna- topic of this podcast is what you like to call editing down a case. So I'm an English major and I know what it's like to edit an essay, you know, when you have all the information there, but what do you mean by editing down a case? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, we're talking about a chronic case. Okay. So that means something like, for example, for this course that we're doing right now on allergic, um, when someone says, um, well, I have joint pains, and if you know anything about homeopathy, the first thing you're thinking of is, oh my gosh, that must be, or could be, Roustox, could be Arnica. So you jot that down as soon as you hear it, and then you listen more. And I have, I have joint pains that are worse on first movement, and it's better when I limber up. It's rare that they say it quite like this, but most people don't, don't, give, it, don't give you the answer that clearly. But 
let's say that's what comes of it. Um, now you can cross off Arnica because Arnica doesn't have that. So while you're taking the case, you're jotting down not the whole sentence necessarily, although you're taking the case in a full sentence as the person is giving it to you. But you're also at the top of the page, you're writing down the names of the medicines that are coming to mind. And when you finish taking the case, now you find out that the person is, has, has terrible allergies, and if they eat wheat, their joints ache. And if they eat wheat, they have bloating. Oh, bloating. Wait, wait, wait. I know what bloating is. Hold on. And you write down, like a podium is bloating. So you write down like a podium. And it's like a podium that is often mixed with arsenicum 3, which is a Banerjee protocol. So, wow, maybe it's arsenic. Well, let's find out more. Oh, there's burning or there's discharge or there's et cetera, et cetera. We go into all the pictures of what Lyco-Rs covers and you say, I got it. I got it. It's Lyco-Rs. Don't assume that that's set in stone. You're writing down your ideas based on what is being presented. It doesn't mean that you're not writing down the full case. Because as the person's telling you this, you're jotting down, I have bloating I can't, every time I eat wheat, or even after I eat anything, it feels like there's a beach ball in my belly. All of those things you want to actually jot down. But at the top of the page, you're jotting down the ideas of the medicines that come to mind. When the case is fully taken and you're all done, you're going to go back and you look at the top of the page. After you've taken all your notes, you look at the top of the page, you might have 15 medicines up there. That's if you know enough Materia Medica. If you know enough. Now, you may not. If you're brand new, you might only think of one or two, which is all right. That's all right. You're still learning. It's brand new to you. Um, but let's say you're at the level where you, you come up with about 10 homeopathic medicines for this whole picture. Now, you have to fine-tune it. And fine-tuning is like, like, like you said, like an English major, you go back and you find the most potent words to make the most sense of what you're trying to convey. And it's the same thing with homeopathy. You can also use the analogy of a painting. The artist stands back and holds up his thumb and looks at the painting and says, is that right? Is there too much yellow? Should I have put more violet in there? Or they even wait till the next day and come back and look at the, at the painting. Or the writer comes back and looks at his, at his um, uh, uh, writings and determines, did I put too much emphasis on this or that? So, for example, if the person has said, I have joint pains if I eat wheat. But then they tell you, but that hasn't happened in years. And, you know, it really doesn't happen very often. It's not really a big deal. I kind of noticed it a long time ago, but it's not a big deal. You don't want to give a homeopathic medicine specific for something that's not um, you know, um, in, in the hierarchy of importance. You want to figure out what is important and how can it best represent what you're trying to do. So in the beginning, when you're taking the case, you're just gathering all the information. Right. Just jot it down so you don't lose your train of thought. And brainstorming protocol. Exactly. Or if you can't remember the protocol, you can say, well, I know there's a protocol for like dysentery, you know. But right. Right. And so you put dysentery and you go back and you look up dysentery and you find it. And then, and then after you're thinking through the case, you're going to say, okay, what is the biggest? What's the big picture here? Yes. What's keeping this person from being able to live their life? The biggest problem is the thesis, I guess. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. What does this distill down to? If this is a grandma who can't knit 
And all she wants to do is knit and maybe cook for her grandchildren and her family. And she can't because the arthritis is crippling her hands and the pain is horrible. That arthritis is keeping her from being who she is. If it's a, if it's a child who can't eat and they're supposed to be growing and they can't eat this and they don't like that and they're really fussy and they bloat and they have distension and they have gas, etc. It is clear that the biggest issue has something to do with the gut on a deep level. So we have to go after what's most important. Now, it doesn't mean we go after only one important aspect of the case, but we create that, as I say, hierarchy. What's the most important? What might be the most second important? what might be the most third important, and we go down primary, secondary, tertiary, until we can go to maybe the third or fourth most valuable aspects of this case. And then is part of that trying to figure out kind of the root problem? So like in allergic, you talk about how some people have a lot of mucus all the time, and then when and then they also um, have like a cough or something. And then you, as you're talking to them, you realize, oh, this is happening because you're drinking milk. You know, does it help go, getting to the root problem and prioritizing like that? It, it helps when you go at it from that point of view. What could be causing this? We don't want to know the entire mechanism. We don't need to know that the person doesn't have the the enzyme or was you know, deficient in that enzyme in their family tree that kept them from being able to digest and can't release the toxins attached. Oh, no, wait, no, 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 go way too far. If it's milk that causes the arthritis, if it's milk ingestion that's causing the bloating, that's good enough. That's plenty. That's very good information. If it turns out that it's more than milk and it turns out that as well, it's, you know, it's every time I have pizza. Well, pizza is more than dairy. It's got more than cheese, got red sauce, it's got bread, got wheat. Um, um, and if you're buying it from a, you know, from a store, it's got MSG. So you have to think of that too, or those kinds of um, anti-nutrients of sorts. But let's say it's homemade pizza, okay? And every time the person has homemade pizza, this is what happens. And they find that, well, I just won't eat cheese on it next time. I'll just have red sauce and some homemade pepperoni or something. I know, it's kind of depressing. Ew, I know. <laughs> Well, actually, my grand grandparents were Sicilian, and my grandmothers used to make what you know white pizza, and it was pizza without red sauce and without cheese, and you would just put spices and herbs and anchovy and and you know that's and you would kind of stick it into the dough and let it bake like that. So it was a completely different kind of a pizza, but it was pretty common in Sicily, I guess, back in the turn of the last century. So at any rate. Um, once you find out that, wow, I can have pizza as long as I don't have the, 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 the cheese with it. Okay, so that might mean that you're okay with wheat. Uh, some people go and have the testing done, and they find out that it's wheat. But I have to tell you, I don't really trust the tests so much for, for um, um, foods that people might be allergic to or, or sensitive to. I really like real live life experiences that help us determine this. Now, sometimes we don't have enough information. Sometimes it's too complex or, you know, sometimes it shows up and other times it doesn't, but it's, um, I think it's more reliable than having tests done. So when you, um, so when, when I say looking at the root of it, you don't want to go as far as like you have, you know, too many heavy metals, or you don't methylate your B vitamins. We want verifiable root of the problem that is actually causing this. So when you have milk, 
then it causes your joints to hurt exactly. verified but right. how do we know that if you all of a sudden start taking methylated b vitamins that that's going to make the issues go away we don't that that often isn't you know verifiable you want to know this well the heavy metal thing is is not always verifiable too i get all the people who come to me and say i was told i have heavy metals and um and now they i've been working on it for i don't know eight years doing chelation and and the supplements and animas and sweating and saunas and have done everything I was told to do. And now my heavy metals don't show so high and yet I'm still sick. Exactly. So theoretically it was wrong. Yeah. I went through that with candida. I did a candida diet for over a year and I did all the supplements. I did everything perfectly. And then in the end I still was sick with my, my chronic stuff. And I thought, okay, that's it. Candida can't be the issue. I need to stop chasing these rabbit holes. So yeah. Right. I'm not saying it's always wrong, but I get the people for whom it is often wrong. It was a theory that was a good guess as to why this is happening. It really matters not why. The point is, it's happening. When you drink milk, you get bloating. So I remember when I saw a lot of naturopaths, it was kind of a gamble. They'd say, well, let's see if we clean you out for parasites, if your autoimmune thing is going to go away. And then I didn't have parasites. So you know what I mean? And so then, well, let's try again. So they try and find something wrong. But yeah, in the end, nothing helped. And and they, even though maybe I, I had these issues, you know, right. maybe right. it wasn't necessarily uprooting the, the issue and we're just kind of guessing. And so with, with this, when we're trying to look at the root as we edit down a case, we try and find something that's verifiable. We know that if you could get over your milk intolerance or your gluten intolerance, these symptoms would go away. And so that's as far as we go for the root of the problem. It can't be overstated enough that this, that the, and the message is that homeopathy transcends the other methods of medicine. I'm not saying they don't have value. Please don't get me wrong. Modern medicine absolutely has value. The diagnostics in modern medicine, we've talked about this before. Surgery can be a lifesaver in many situations. Naturopathy can be very useful. But I have to tell you, homeopathy transcends, transcends it. Homeopathy goes 230 years ago, we, before, right around the time the microscope was invented, so was homeopathy discovered by Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. And it was before we thought, hmm, parasites or, although perhaps they thought of parasites, I'm sure they knew there were parasites then, but not, not microorganisms that were so minute that they, that they didn't, many of them probably didn't even imagine that there were parasites that were so small they were unseen by the naked eye or that there were heavy metals, etc. They simply used symptoms. And symptoms, and I can't stress it enough, never lie. Symptoms don't lie. Symptoms are a representation of what's going on. I can't eat milk it causes bloating. I can't eat grains. It causes arthritis. Hello, there it is. There's the entire case. That's the language of homeopathy. Yes. It's simple. It's elegant. It's uncomplicated. It's straightforward. It's not politically correct. It is what it is. My favorite clients slash students are the are the people who come to me like like the old time farmer or the the Amish folk who say I've got an ache in my hip 
when does it happen? Well, it seems like, you know, I milk these cows and I drink it all the time, but it seems like, I don't know, I'm beginning to think it's the milk. So I stopped for a while and I found it didn't hurt so much. End of discussion. He's not thinking about his um, uh, B vitamins being methylated or that he can't release his toxins or that, no, or that he's inherited. No, forget that. He doesn't go that far. He's not intellectualizing. He's being honest with you. This happens and it happens when I do this. Sometimes we don't even know when it happens. I mean, I'm giving you the extra be uh, uh, benefit of saying, well, it happens when I drink milk or eat grains or something. Might not be that at all. Might, 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 someone might say, I've stopped all of that. It still doesn't make a difference. That's important too. So it's, it's imperative to know that, you know, if you do have a simplified root of the problem, like, like, a, like a farmer would describe it, you know, like we're saying milk intolerance, then that's good to add to your notes. But if you don't know what is causing your arthritis, right. drop it. It's okay. Just, just yeah, drop it. it, drop it. It's unimportant. Dig around a little bit, but if she doesn't come up, don't theorize. Oh, well, then it must be mercury. Right. Oh, well, you still have amalgams in your teeth. It's got to be that. Well, no, really, it could be a gazillion thing. Could be that you had strep. Could have been the antibiotics you took. Could be the, the, you know, the gas leak in your basement. Could be the, you know, I mean, the radon in your basement. It could be the change in weather. It could be your bad marriage. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be all of the above. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, conventional medicine often says, oh, it's stress. Wait, not everything is stress for crying out loud. That kind of, that's such a blanket statement. But, but uh, on one hand, they're right. Yeah. But which stressor is it? And, and to figure that out is like finding a needle in a haystack. Do you know what it feels like to me, Paul? It seems like a, uh, an attempt to give answers to people who are desperate for answers. And I understand because I've been that person who's been desperate for answers. It seems like both parties might feel a little desperate. You know, the, the yes. author whoever really wants to help and they can't figure That's right. That's right. So let's see if this, let's try this out. Let's try this theory out and see how it goes. But homeopathy transcends that. And that's really my message. Well, and the problem is, is it's expensive to try and, you know, check this out, check that out. You know, $100 here, $100 there adds up quickly. So let's review. It's it's brainstorming, kind of listening to the case and, and throwing down. In the and jotting down the case, too. You're listening and jotting, of course. You're yes. listening to the case and you're jotting down the protocols that might apply. And jotting down the case, too. You want to write down what the person's saying. Because and you, I can guarantee you won't remember in, in eight weeks. And even sometimes verbatim is really helpful. Absolutely. As per the person's words. And I know you like to put plus, plus, plus when something's really, really bad. Or the greater sign is better from, the less than sign is worse from. Yes. Yep, yes. exactly. Okay, so um, and so the and so then what's the next step to edit down the case? We've kind of compiled all the information. It's on our case taking sheet. So then what? Okay. Now you're assessing, like we just said, we're looking at what is the impediment to this person's life. They can't ever eat out. They can't ever go to someone else's house. They can't eat wheat and dairy. So because they have this terrible arthritis and bloating. So those two protocols are important then. The arthritic one and the, the gastrointestinal one. And now let's say the person is up all night, can't sleep because of this bloating or because they're thinking about the bloating or they're worried the next day. Now, what are they going to do? They, they don't have anything to eat or they have to go to an event tomorrow and they have to be forced to eat certain foods. And, and now they're up all night, worry, worry, worry. And the next day they're totally exhausted, beat up. So that means we have to use a medicine that's specific for 
inability to, to shut the brain off. So we're also jotting that down. Now, if you remember, or if you know my blog, because I write about all of these subjects on my blog, for example, Coffea 200C twice daily is the medicine that we often use for people whose brains can't shut down. So that might be something we, we, we use. Or if it's worry, uh, of course, Coffea does have a lot of worry and anxiety associated with the use of that medicine. But let's say it's someone who overthinks, overthinks, and it's not just in bed at night, and, and it's not that they're stepped up, they're just, a, they're just worriers and angst, anxiety, anxiety. Then we might think of Ignatia. So we might use Ignatia 200C. So we might, if it sounds more like coffee than Ignatia, then you put coffee up at the top as one of the other uh, considerations that we're going to add to this picture. So you can write coffee slash Ignatia question. Yes, 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 right, right. Now, when we go back and look at it, now let's say um, there's also um, some eczema and there's itching and it's behind their knees and it's bothersome. And then they also have hair loss. So if we know the, the protocol for eczema, it's usually the Banerjee protocols, antimonium crude with our Senecum album, and you might jot that down. And they also have hair loss, and that's the Banerjee protocol for that is Ustalago 200C. Um, um, and so we write all that down. Now we look at the whole thing. We've got, you know, we've got a lot of remedies here. Right. We don't want to use all of them unless it's absolutely necessary. So how awful is that hair loss? And you start asking those kinds of questions. Are you talking about where, where a woman's got lost so much hair that the scalp is now exposed? Or are we talking about someone who has had really thick hair and it's not so thick as it used to be, but no one else would notice? Now we start backing off and saying, look, it's not a life-threatening consideration. Um, and, and some of it, you're, you're making a decision on your own to a certain degree. And you're also conferring with the person because you want to ask her, you know, sometimes women say, oh my gosh, this hair loss is absolutely driving me out of my mind. I'm very frightened by it. I couldn't care less about the eczema behind my knees. So let's focus on the hair loss, the bloating and the anxiety, mm -hmm. food intolerances. Okay. Now we've got a case. Now we've got three to four homeopathic medicines that are within reason to use. Okay, so, so now that you've taken the case, you've brainstormed, you've written down all the protocols, and then you've decided which ones take priority, which ones are going to kind of be the topic sentence for each paragraph. You know, we've got- Yes, right. You've decided <laughs> that. I like, I like the metaphor. I'm going to keep going with it. Okay. So now, um, now it's time to commit, really. And this is really important because when you're, especially if you're, the, if you're taking your own case and you're suffering yourself, mm -hmm. it is really discouraging when you have step, setbacks, which you will as you progress. You, there are setbacks. And so you really have to commit. So tell us about that, Joette. About commitment? How long does it take a remedy to act? Oh, oh I see. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so now you start, you start with the medicines, okay? And when it's a chronic condition, and that's what we're talking about here, you want to give it at least six weeks, if possible. Um, I even like eight weeks, mm -hmm. because this is chronic, remember. This person didn't just suddenly get bloating, hair loss, eczema, um, food intolerances last Thursday, um, like you would perhaps with a bee sting for an acute. But it feels like it does sometimes, Joette. Like, you know, one day you're going along and then the next day your your bladder is really hurting or your joints start hurting. It kind of creeps up on you and it does feel like it hits overnight. But we have to remember that it, it didn't. Well, 
if it didn't, it didn't. But if it did, it did. I mean, we don't want to put words into people's mouths. You know what I mean? We don't want to make an assumption. That's what that's there is the line that I draw in the sand between homeopathy and other medical modalities. I want reproducible results. I want this to be scientific. I want, in other words, I want this to be very clear. Don't make assumptions. If it's not there in the history, don't assume that it was. If it only came a month ago, it only came a month ago. Let's not just make the assumption that, well, it had to be from your parents. Well, really, did it? No, let's see, let's see where it started. We want to be honest, upfront, and very simplified. I don't like um, theory. I like numbers, science, reproducible, clarification, um, because otherwise it becomes, um, for lack of a better word, crunchy. <laughs> crunchy? Yeah, yeah. And we don't want, this is not about, I get the feeling that perhaps, no, no, no. It's either this or it's that. It's not, it's not, this is not intuition. And I could go off on a whole tangent on that. You know that I've talked about this many times before. This has nothing to do with intuition. Absolutely nothing. If you're good at homeopathy, it's not because you have intuition. It's because you have experience because this is all science. So um, uh, don't, I, I probably should not get started on that because it gets me into a tizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess why why does is intuition so bad because you're not supposed to because you want to really look at the person's case and not impose your own your own prejudices into it well that's a big part of it number one number two it it borders on that fuzzy area where people think that homeopathy is mind body spirit Oh, like new age type medicine. And this is not new age. This is not spiritual. This is medicine. It's right. science. Right. It is. And I want, when I say reproducible, I mean, when I teach this class and then these people who are in my class teach their children or their constituency, whatever that, whoever that might be, or their patients and their clients and their practices, I want it to be five people down the line are coming up with the same answers for bloating and food intolerances and eczema and hair loss and sleeplessness as what I taught. Not because I know all, but because no one said, gee, I have the feeling that perhaps it's because of this, this, or that, so I'm going to throw this medicine in there. No, right. no, 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 no. It, it almost sounds like a palm reader, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with intuition, but not when it comes to science and medicine. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. So when a lot of times people say, well, the reason you know this is because you have good intuition. I say, no, I don't. I mean, I might have intuition about my children, right. about life in general, but not when it comes to my students, clients, homeopathy. No, I'm using hard, cold, evidence-based facts that I have learned and studied that are reproducible for the last 200 and some years. So... So then going back to the kind of the original question. What were we talking about? It was how long does it take a remedy to act? Oh, okay. No. So because it's a chronic condition, uh, let's make the assumption. We'll go with both, both scenarios. Let's make the, the assumption that it's new and that you've just gotten this. And suddenly you've got eczema and sleeplessness and joint pain, et cetera. Um, you might look at this as an acute because it just started. 
Um, I'm assuming, though, with arthritis and eczema, generally speaking, those are and hair loss, those are generally not acute conditions. They're more often chronic. Mm -hmm. But if you use these medicines that are specific for these conditions, it will likely finish up in very short order say within weeks, sometimes even a few days in certain circumstances, weeks, months, and very short order. Now let's say if it's a long time condition, this food intolerance has been going on since this person was six years old and now they're in their forties. The, um, the hair loss is happening in the last three or four years. Um, there's eczema that's come and gone through the years. There's a bloating and distension and gas and all of that that comes and goes, that's chronic. So how long does it take to complete this? You want to see a shift, not necessarily completion, but a shift within two months, eight weeks. And we've talked about this in these podcasts of the, in the past. We want to see those three magic markers being met. We want to see less intensity to the symptoms, lasting for a shorter period of time, and a larger space between each time they present within that two-month period of time. Now, we don't, want it, we don't want an update in a week. No, no, no. That's too soon. It's like walking on a painted floor. Too soon. It's got, you got to allow that paint to cure before you can start walking on it. You might get away with it, but it could end up with tacky footmarks. Uh, prints all over the floor. You want to wait for it to completely cure over a period of two months. Now the information is useful because now we can see over a period of two full, almost two full months. And for women, that's particularly valuable because we want that 28-day period to pass at least once because of menses. That's right. Yeah, because hormones influence so much. And, and it's not that you'll be completely cured in the two months, but we want to see a shift. Yes. Now you have enough information to determine if there has been a shift. Yes. And so in what area? Oh, my hair has stopped falling. Oh, so that was, that was, that was an important cons uh, 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 consideration last time. My hair has stopped falling. I don't see it growing back yet, but it has stopped falling. Now, if the hair was not very thin to start with, it was simply just falling, but it was freaking her out, then we can stop Ostilago. And instead, uh, concentrate on other areas that are perhaps more important. If, however, the hair with guy had gotten very thin, we want Ustilago to thicken it up and not just stop its fall, then we would stay with it. But now we have an indication that Ustilago is absolutely correct. Right. But Ustilago is really for hair loss, not just wanting to thicken someone's hair. It's for thickening hair when there's been hair loss. So in other words, there has to be a pathology first. Right. Not just, I've always had thin hair and now I want thick Yeah, hair. I'd like it to be thick. Right. And so I think the problem you probably see, and I, I experienced this when I was getting better from a lot of my chronic stuff, is, you know, in those six weeks, you can get discouraged and you want to kind of jump around and try a different yeah, remedy. I'm so glad you brought that up. We'll try a different modality, you know, like, um, you know, I'm going to start doing... I don't know, like more herbs or more vitamins or more supplements on top of it. So what's the problem with that? Yeah. Well, I don't have a problem with herbs. I think herbs are great. But I would, I would discourage someone from starting herbs while we're waiting to find out how the homeopathics have acted. Because we don't want any interference, good or bad. Um, of course, we want the person to get well, no doubt about it. But at the end of the mark, at that two-month mark, 
if the person has improved and they started adding herbs, newly added herbs, say at week two, um, along with the homeopathics, now at the end of the eight weeks, which what did it? Was it the herbs that were added in? Was it the supplements? Was it the new yoga class? Was it, you know, et cetera, et cetera? We want to know what did it so that we know what to do because if we don't, we don't have a pathway. We don't know where to go. And I tell people all the time, you know, the reason you're here with homeopathy is probably because nothing else has worked. Yeah, we're always the last resort, unfortunately. It's so true. I mean, one gal came by last week. um, Her daughter had strep throat, and it had gone five days, five days of strep throat. And you don't want strep throat for five days. She was pretty sick, and she's like, we've tried everything else. And I'm like, I know. You didn't even have to tell me that because you're here. And if you're here, it means that you did try everything else because everyone goes to homeopathy last. Right. So if if you're finally here, give it a chance. And I tell people all the time, yeah, if you feel – like you like putting coconut oil on your eczema or whatever it is. I mean, I don't think that changes too much the pathology, but if you're going to do something kind of deeper that you think might help, you've got to give homeopathy a chance because the homeopathy will, will cure this. Well, and, and to be honest, that's true for any modality. If you've been using supplements and you want to try an herb, to, to, um, um, to try the herb on top of the supplements, you, you have a baseline established, so you can probably figure that out. But if you start supplements and herbs at the same time, which one's acting? How do you know? Well, and the other problem too is, and I've, I, I've done this one, this is a little confession, was you know, when I was having, um, after a miscarriage, I was having so many hormonal fluctuations and I was pretty desperate to get them under control. So I started taking this herbal tincture, with a bunch of stuff, and I was taking it as directed, but I totally overdosed on it, totally. And it caused a worsening of symptoms. And so then I was thinking that the homeopathy wasn't working. Right. You don't know where you're going with this. Yeah. And so then when I stopped this herb, everything calmed down. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was messing it up. I was making it worse. Right. And, and that's when I said, you know, I just, I, I don't. One modality to- at a time, unless you've been using it all along. Now, what, I'm, what I mean by that is if you have a chiropractor, and I love chiropractic, right. so please understand that I hold them in very high regard. If you have a chiropractor you've been seeing for a year, and you see him or her once a week, um, and you're going to start homeopathy, stay with that chiropractor, the, uh, stay with that, um, that, that modality, because that's your baseline. Right. You know what that's done for you so far. And same or, or same thing with, with herbs. If you've been staying, stay with those herbs by all means or essential oils or whatever else you may be using. But don't add a new modality in at the same time you're starting with homeopathy. Yeah. You, you know what If it, you can, if you can. Right, because you know what it feels like right now as is with all that you're doing, with your diet, with everything. Just keep it all the same. And right. Then you're, yep. Yep, very good. Okay, so I have talked to people, Joette, who have a lot, you know, some people don't have one chronic illness. They, they've hit the jackpot. They have it all. They have diabetes. They have, you know, lots, lots and lots and lots of things. And then I ask them, so what is worse to you? And they say to me, all of it. All of it is the worst. And you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I guess we gotta well, you have to pick it apart. You have to pick it apart and say, okay, so um, how's your energy? Oh, my gosh, the fatigue is horrible. It's hard. I can barely get up in the morning. I've got three kids. I can't, I can't be with them. I can't help them. It's awful. 
Okay, so you have to you have to put an underline under that. You got to make sure that that's um, that you're that's noticeable, that that's uh, remarkable. I mean, so go through each condition that they make them narrate it, and based on how they share, yes, you can then you go back and ask them because really remember this is the, their case, not yours. Right. This is their case, and when it's all said and done, you go back and say, okay, the fatigue. Let's let's try to boil it down to four main conditions, okay, mm-hmm. and often. More, more often than not, you can boil it down. You can figure it out. Yeah. And should we prioritize life-threatening conditions or just... Oh, definitely. Oh, holy cow, yeah. Diabetes. And then obviously, I mean, I guess it's obvious. Well, not necessarily. No, no. Now that, I, now that you say that, because if they're on insulin, you're not going to try to get them off of insulin. That's a pretty... I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be done homeopathically because I've seen it done. Um, or at least starting to minimize some of the insulin. I've seen it many times in, in, in India. But... Um, They've got a solution for that. They're taking insulin. Leave that alone. Leave right. that alone. So that they're, that's, that's been satisfied through conventional medicine. Now let's say they're having insomnia and no matter how many drugs they take, it doesn't help. That's pretty important if, they're, if the insomnia is horrible and it's making them crazy. Because serious insomnia can be life-changing. It could really ch- ruin a person's life. Oh. As, yeah, it's pretty it's awful. And then, okay, what about thyroid then? I feel like thyroid is... Okay, now let's say they're taking a natrothroid, something like that. They're right. not taking Synthroid. And you still have the hair loss, the bloating, the worst from milk and wheat and anxiety and insomnia and uh, um, eczema. Um, and they're taking natrothroid. It's not, natrothroid is not an answer. It's a temporary solution is the way I see it. But it's certainly better than Synthroid. Synthroid is side effects. I don't see side effects with natrothroid, at least not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, so they've got a solution for that. So you can eliminate some of these that you have to work on immediately and go after those areas that conventional medicine and naturopathy have not helped. Make those the priority. Then eventually, as you work with this person through the months and even over many months, even into a year, now the eczema has gone, the hair, hair has been restored, the bloating is not an issue unless they really overdo it, the anxiety is only occasional, and the insomnia only happens once a month before the period. Now let's go after that thyroid. Now let's try to help work with the thyroid condition. Beautiful. That's the way we shave away the aspects of the case that are the most trying and the less, tr- and, and all the way down through the hierarchy of, of, of discomforts and conditions. Okay, but what if you feel like if you treat the thyroid, all of those issues would have resolved, the insomnia, the Well, you have to ask that. A lot of times people will report that uh, the, the thyroid has been miraculous. I mean, my, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not fatigued. Of course, this in this particular case, we're not using that example. But sometimes people report that their fatigue is gone, the hair loss doesn't occur any longer, the skin's no longer dry, they're not overweight. The naturothroid has really fit the bill. So to go after it seems a little bit um, superfluous. Now, on the other hand, if they're taking th- this, this, uh, the th- um, naturothroid and those conditions nonetheless still exist, even though they've been on it for six months, not now enough. it makes sense to go after that homeopathically. And what if the person just, fine, I get it. Naturothyroid isn't that bad for you or... Right. You know, it's a supplement. What if you just want to be off of it? What if you just don't want to have a bad Well, sure. Absolutely. I know a lot of people don't want to take that. They want it corrected. And that's what, what, what the, the, I don't want to say it's the promise of homeopathy, but it is often 
um, 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 uh, doable with homeopathy. And so why not? But if it's, if there are other issues that are more sobering than the thyroid condition in general, that's being addressed by the, by the natural thyroid, then, then let's put that aside for a while and work on what's most sobering. Okay. So let me review here. So basically if you have a condition that's life-threatening that needs to be addressed, you just prioritize that right away. But if it's being managed safely, you know, like with nature thyroid or even like the insulin example mm -hmm. um, under control, look at the other stuff that you can deal with for now. Mm -hmm. But if, if the band-aid you're using, like the nature thyroid or the insulin or whatever, it's not working and it's, it has a lot of pitfalls that are affecting you, then maybe you do want to mm -hmm. go in that direction. So that's, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of trying to organize mm -hmm. how this works. I'd also don't want to give folks the idea that we're going to try to cure uh, life-threatening diseases here. This is, this is we are working with um, allergic conditions here in this particular course and in other areas as well. Um, that's something for uh, a true expert to go after. Not that you can't, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've had many students come to me and tell me that their child was going into anaphylaxis from a bee sting and they've used the homeopathic even though they had their EpiPen right there, right at the ready. And I always tell people, don't be foolish. You get that. You make sure you've got an EpiPen if you've got a child who's got this condition. But, um, but they were able to and felt confident enough to be able to utilize the homeopathic medicine instead. And, and, and indeed, that was life-threatening. So, but that's an acute sitting on top of a chronic, by the way. Parenthetically, let me add that in so that there's some, some um, 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 representation of that here. So what you're saying is, you know, like something be careful. Like Don't think you're going to be curing cancer in this course. Right, exactly. And, and you don't even really address diabetes in, in the allergic. Right, that's right. I was just right. using that as an example. Okay. Right. right. So, um, okay, so let's review here. When we talk about editing down a case, we're talking about writing down the person's words and, and how they're expressing the illness. And at the yes. same time, you're making a list of the protocols that may apply. Mm -hmm. And let me, let me just interject for a second, Paula, cool. because the reason you're writing down the words as the person is saying them is because in eight weeks, when you ask that person how they're doing and they say, oh, I don't know that I'm that much better. And you say, okay, let's go back. And you go back to the notes and you, and you say, so how about that insomnia? How's that going? How's your sleep these days? Is oh. this quote ruining your life? As right. Right, right. You don't give them the words yet. You ask them to tell you. Just oh. tell me how the sleep is now. Tell me, are you having, or how's your sleep these days? Oh, well, sleep, yeah, sleep's been okay. Once in a while, I, I stay awake and it's bothersome, but it's not a problem. Well, I mean, so any anxiety around that one? No, no, really, the anxiety's okay. So now, you, even though they have declared that they are not improved, you read back to them precisely what they said. Oh my gosh, this anxiety and insomnia are going to drive me out of my mind. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. And that, now they recognize that there's been a shift. And it's not that people are stupid. It's just human nature to not remember how serious or how horrible or how sobering those symptoms were two months earlier because they have no symptoms to remind them of it. So that is why we use their words, because you don't ever, you're not interpreting for them. She said it's not good. When what she really said was, holy cow, this sleep and anxiety is going to drive me nuts or lack of sleep. That's important. Right, because so much can be lost in how you interpreted what she exactly. said. Exactly, 
Exactly. It's not your words don't matter. It's the person's words that matter. Right. Okay. Okay. So then once you've written down all the possible protocols, you're going to start looking, you're, you're going to pick apart, like you said, what is the most important? And you go through and try and understand what is most affecting this person's life that is impeding their ability to be a successful human, basically, right? Right. And then you narrow down those protocols. And then, um, and then once you've selected the protocols, you know, three or four, you are going to commit to that for a minimum, minimum of six weeks, preferably eight. And especially for women, they need to go through a whole cycle if possible, if they're having a cycle. And so, and so by sticking to that, we are able to measure improvement. And then, right. and then when we go to measure improvement, we look back at the original notes and specifically at their words. And you try not to feed it to them. No, don't. Just ask them. So how's, how, you know, how are you sleeping these days? Mm -hmm. Let them present it back to you again. Maybe just prod them. How's the sleep? And then right. through the protocols. Okay. So um, let's just try like one more quick case here. Let's say um, there is, you know, a little girl who complains about a tummy ache every time she drinks milk and um, she has eczema. And actually, let's see, and then and bloating, you know, th those are kind of the three main issues. Um, and how about temper tantrums? Let's throw that in because that's yeah. really common with kids who have allergies. Okay. Food intolerances. Okay. And so then you start jotting down possible. Right. Problems. Now it's a little girl, so you don't have as many complaints generally. Oh, that's nice. Why? Well, because they haven't gathered. <laughs> through the years. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? She doesn't have hormonal problems. She didn't take the pill for five years. She didn't have, you know, a miscarriage. She didn't, you know, I mean, she didn't have all of that. She didn't have all those life experiences, her, you know, um, you know her mortgage. And, you know, I mean, there. are <laughs> right. you know what I mean? She's got a, generally speaking in the Western world, little girls have nice lives. Right. Right. And so then as you take that case, you start jotting down possible protocols. You know, we've got for, for the milk problem, we think of a Thusa. For the bloating, we think of possibly like ORs or just like a podium. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you got it. Yes. And then, um, for the eczema, antimonium crude mixed with arsenic. Arsenic, if it's itchy, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. These are all Banerjee protocols. Beautiful, beautiful Banerjee protocols. And then for the temper tantrums, we think of stramonium. But that yes. is one, two, three, four protocols. That's not too many. No, it's not. Okay. So we it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Okay. Now let's say this little girl gets bronchitis frequently. Oh. She, she's always getting cold. She's always getting sick. She's getting bronchitis. Um, and it's not a chronic condition but it happens frequently every winter she gets three four colds and it turns into bronchitis now though now what we want to look at is the fact that she gets colds too frequently we can also add in particularly because she's a child we can add in calc carb 200c for example every other day or even 30 once a day for a child and 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 now we're dealing with the immunity and and the, because she's growing, we like health carb. But when the bronchitis presents or the colds present, you might want something to use at that moment. So what do you do when she gets sick? Well, you might want to add an SOS, so to speak, save our ship. What do we do on top of that so that she's got all of these baseline medicines and now we need something for as it occurs. Now we might look at, for example, aconitum, 
and and uh, um, embryonia that are really great medicines. That's also a Banerjee protocol for when a cold or a cough comes on, especially in the beginning. If you use that every six hours, sometimes every three hours, if it's severe enough, you can abort a cold or a forthcoming bronchitis or whatever cough that's coming on. So you might put that in the case, but it's only an SOS. She's only going to use that should the bronchitis present. Now, with all of these other medicines working, to uproot the food intolerances in the allergic state and the immunity condition. She may not even get bronchitis this winter, especially if you're starting in spring. This, she's got several months before she, she comes along. So she may not even need it. Or if she, she does need it, she may not need it as, she may not get as sick. And that's the goal is to get her to the point where she's not even, her immune system is so built, is so corrected through this, these, all these protocols, that even the acutes will not be needed as often. So it's that CALC-CAR that you've introduced, that fifth protocol, if, especially if, it, like, if she started in the spring and bronchitis doesn't come until the winter, that might be able to make it prep her so that yes. when she's going to be okay. Yes. And it's not a supplement. I'm going to remind you again, everyone thinks, oh, well, we're supplementing. No, 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 no. We're supporting. No, 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 no. We're correcting the fact that this even presents. This child should not get sick that often. Children are supposed to get sick. They're supposed to get colds and flus and fevers once in a while and an occasional ear infection and an occasional chicken pox. That's all normal within the range of normal in the Western world, but not every month, maybe once in the winter. That's pretty much the way it should present. So, um, or once in the spring with chicken pox. Uh, but if it's happening all the time, we want, to, we want to correct that. And that's where not only will the whole picture that we're doing correct, but particularly with kelp carp. And also, they're supposed to be getting better with, within about a week, right? Generally speaking. And you mean if they get the cold, if they get that, if they get cold, she should be better in, within a couple of days. She should see at least some improvement within a couple of days, even a day, sometimes within a couple of hours. Wow. Okay. And, and calc carb, if someone, you know, because I've heard people get sick often, and some people, they, they get sick, but they're sick for a long time. Is that something that calc carb, if they're that type of person who, yes. when they get sick, they're really sick? Yes. So for a child, it's calc carp 30 twice a day. But if this is in an adult, it would have been 200. I would, yeah, I would do it once, perhaps once a day. Yes. And for an adult or even a child, 200 every other day. There are two different ways to use it. Okay. so the two Again, a Banerjee protocol. Right. So 200 every other day calc carb. Yes. Or, or 30 once a day for a child. A I like that often. I often use that for a child, but depends. Right. Okay. Very good. We're, we just built a whole case. We built two cases, the mother and the daughter so far. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we go from here? That's the question. What do we do now that we're at the eighth week and we see that there's improvement? There's the bloating is almost gone. It only shows up if the child has, you know, two and three glasses of milk. Or maybe we're not that lucky or that person. Excuse me. We're not on a child. We're talking about the adult again. Um, now, let's say the person has stayed away from... Um, this milk and wheat for years. We're still going to use these, these concepts because they, they can't have it. In spite of staying away from it, they still can't have it. So now once they've been there, they, they still have some of the symptoms. They still get some bloating. They still get some eczema. They still have some anxiety, et cetera. In two months, at the end of two months, we want to see some of that softened a bit, like we said, with the mitigation and the three, the three magic markers. Yeah, once, so once there's some improvement, 
um, generally we, we back off of the, of the medicines. If, it's, if the condition is gone, if the eczema is gone, there's no reason to continue with those medicines. In fact, you should not. Right. Not remember, this is not like supplements where you're going to take them for the rest of your life. This is all about correcting and saying goodbye. Now, it could come back. That eczema could come back, no doubt about it. Could come back in six months. What do you do then? You don't say, oh, no, my body's falling apart again. No, it means that you need to go back to the protocol for the eczema. It just means you're not done. Start pulsing it, basically. Pulsing yes. It as needed. Yes. Yes, you're using as needed at that point. And the same thing can be for, for the bloating. If the bloating is gone, then you stop the medicine. If the bloating is only partially gone, then you continue. So, I mean, it's just like anything. It only makes perfect sense. Right. Well, you don't take an Advil unless, until you need it. Right. Exactly. Very good. So, I guess the fear here, Joette, is that if you don't know how to take a case properly and you don't, you know, you don't take the notes properly and you don't select brainstorm through the protocols and then prioritize the protocols. And then if you don't give it enough time for the remedies to act. And um, the problem is in the end, you might accuse homeopathy of not working when it's actually just the user. It's, that, it's pilot error. Yes, pilot error. Exactly. Homeopathy works. End of discussion. Homeopathy works. If it's not acting, it's very likely you've chosen the wrong medicines or you've misinterpreted what you're treating or you haven't used them in the right potencies. You haven't used them in the right frequencies. You haven't waited long enough. You've misinterpreted. It's all about the pilot. Right. You don't want to bl blame the airplane or in this case, homeopathy. Right. When it was running, just it's not the vehicle. It's often pilot error that gets into the crashes. It's not the plane's fault. Right, that's true. So, um, really, so the more you learn, the better off you are. Right, and I think I really think it comes down to just getting yourself some practice and allowing yourself to, you know, have more kids or something, <laughs> so you can practice. That's right. I've got a quote. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah, it's it is about practice. Bruce Lee. Once said, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Absolutely. Very knowledge or, or acquisition of knowledge is all about repetition. Over and over, the more children you have, the more livestock you have, the more friends you have, the more patients you have, the more clients you have, the, more, the faster you will learn this. It's all, it's like anything else. It's all about numbers. It is very true. You know, today I was putting together some frames and some images for my family for their Christmas gifts. And I was putting together, there were, uh, I think there were nine frames and I had to take them out of the paper and pull out the backings and then put the little image in and then tape it to the matting and then, you know, lift up the little pieces. And the first one, I got it upside down and, you know, I wasn't sure how to do it and where to put the tape and everything. And the second one I learned from the first one. So I got a little bit better at it. And by the time I got to the fourth or fifth one, it was bam, 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 bam. It was like a, uh, uh, <laughs> I had a factory going. I right. could do it so fast. An assembly line. It was. It was an assembly line within, it, but it, it took the repetition of about two to three good 
tries and figuring out which is the most expedient way to do this. I learned how to do it. That's the same thing with homeopathy. Once you get this and once you get going and start using and using and using and using and using, and using that's how you learn it. Right. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, okay. So listen to this podcast more than once, I think, and, and be very clear on, on kind of the steps of taking a case and how to execute through it properly. I know I've learned a lot again and some things I already knew, but it's really important to be reminded of those. Thanks, Joette. You're very welcome. All, what we just need to remember to do is just get all the strands, braid them together to form the perfect braid. Yep. I love it. That's it. Awesome. Okay. Until next time. Thanks, Paula. You just listened to a podcast by DoetteCalibries.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author, Joette Calabrese, shared her passion for helping families stay healthy, through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition.